it's an ancient tradition to announce the major feasts of the liturgical year at Epiphany. This is, of course, back when we didn't have cell phones uh, that had calendars on them that told us years in advance when uh, Easter would fall and so forth. But, um, but it still has value today to, to do this because it, it highlights the central mystery um, beginning with Easter, the central mystery of our faith, the mystery of Christ who has appeared to us today uh, on the solemnity of the Epiphany of the Lord. And it, it I think, just roots us at the beginning of the year um, in Christ. Because our whole year revolves around the uh, mystery of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And, uh, and so should our, our lives, our whole lives should revolve around the mystery of Christ's life, death, and resurrection and be permeated by, by him. Um, but today we celebrate this great feast day of the epiphany of the Lord. And we hear in the gospel, I'm sure many of us, this, this is one of our favorite gospels, the, uh, the story of the Magi who come in search of the newborn king. Very mysterious figures. Who were these magi from the east? What do we know about them? We don't know much, but we do know that they were learned men. They were the sort of, you might say, academics or scientists of their day. Most likely they were astronomers or astrologers uh, from Persia. They studied the stars. They observed creation and tried to understand its, its meaning. And it's possible that the star that they observed, which led them to Christ, was God communicating to them in a supernatural way, but using a, a language that they understood, um, that of the stars. And so they, they set out from the east on this, on this journey Fulfilling the prophecy that we heard in Isaiah. That there would come a day when divine light will appear. And that's what, a, that's what epiphany means. It means an appearance. A sudden manifestation. Christ, the light of the world, has appeared. Shining over all of God's people and drawing all the nations who will be grateful for his light. And, and the Magi represent those nations from afar. That God would uh, shine his light not only on his chosen people, Israel, but even distant nations, drawing them in. And, and what, is, what does the Gospel say? Um, I think this is interesting, uh, too. We, we hear about these wise men, right? These magi who uh, represent all the nations. Very different cultures, but all being drawn to worship the one true God. But what, doesn't gospel, the Gospel of Matthew say something about how God will hide his plan from the wise and the learned and reveal them only to little ones? Seems to contradict uh, this gospel today, but these magi are different. These, these wise men who've given their lives to learning are not puffed up 
by their learning. They demonstrate, I think, a true wisdom in their humility. They get down on their knees. They prostrate themselves before something that they know is far greater than themselves. The God of the universe who's been revealed, who's appeared as a newborn infant lying on his, on his uh, mother's lap or lying in a manger. However, the Lord was uh, manifested to them when they arrived. And we should follow their example. We know that the Magi came bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold for Christ's kingship. Uh, incense for his divinity. And myrrh for his humanity. As the fathers will say. But is that all they bring? I mean, these are pretty remarkable gifts, but uh, is that all that the Magi bring to offer the Lord? I'm uh, reminded here, uh, share a personal story with you all. I'm reminded here of um, the Feast of the Epiphany back in 2019. So this was the Feast of the Epiphany that just preceded my own ordination to the priesthood. I was ordained in 2019, in, in June. And I was, as I was praying with this gospel of the Magi, I started to think about these, these Magi, these, these wise men, these gifted men who brought these impressive gifts to offer the Lord, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I remember saying to the Lord in prayer, Jesus, what do I have to bring you? What do I have to offer you? I was honestly feeling a little bit discouraged at the time. I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed as well and, and wondering if I really have what it takes to be a priest, frankly. What, what gifts do I bring, Lord? You know, I, I feel like I've got nothing truly of value to, to offer you. But in the silence of the heart, my heart, the, the Lord was reassuring me. And essentially, what I was, what I was getting uh, from him was, was this. And I paraphrase, because the Lord doesn't normally speak to me this, this articulately. But um, essentially, he was saying in the silence of my heart, you don't have nothing. You have something. Something I want more than anything. Just bring me yourself, just as you are. Bring me yourself. It was unmistakable that, you know, when I listened in prayer, that the Lord just wanted me, no more and no less. And I think that is true for the Magi as well, that they brought him more than these, these fine dazzling gifts, um, they brought the Lord themselves, and they prostrated themselves before him, and offered themselves to him in worship, offered him their lives. And that's true for every single one of us. That's what the Lord wants. He wants you. He wants all of you. Not just the parts of you that you're proud of, 
mind you, while withholding from him the parts that you're ashamed of? No. The truth is that God wants nothing more than a loving relationship with you. Even when we feel like we have no worthy gift to bring him. And this, I think, is very true in our prayer as well. Because, you know, the, the, what the Magi did is when they, when they arrived, they laid down their gifts before the Lord, but then, then they worshipped Him. Then, then they prayed and they, they gave God their hearts. And so, and so it goes for us. It, it begins, this, this loving relationship with God, with, where we offer Him ourselves, all of us, it begins in prayer. Both in our personal prayer and in our sacred liturgy in the Mass. The, the, the greatest prayer that there is. Mother, listen to what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa told a priest some really important advice. She said, If at the time of prayer it seems to you that not only have you been distracted in your prayer, but that you have done nothing at all, never leave that time or that place of prayer angry or bitter with yourself. First, turn to God and give God that nothing. Did you catch that? Give God that nothing. I know some of you have small children that have probably never heard a homily all the way through in years. Um, some of you just struggle to focus at Mass. Some of you get distracted in prayer, whether at Mass or at, in your personal prayer. You fall asleep. Um, it feels dry. You know, what Mother Teresa is saying is, as long as you have the intention, the intention to give God your best, to give God yourself, as long as you're taking time for God and sincerely trying to be faithful, God is going to be delighted to receive that gift. Give God that nothing, Mother Teresa says. Your good intention is more important than ma maintaining perfect attention during prayer. What, what, what might this look like? Dear God, I really want to be present to you. I am weak, and I humbly admit that I struggle to pray. And I don't feel like I have much to offer you. But you are my Father. And you see my heart, and you see my desire to love you and to serve you. And so I surrender myself to you and trust that you will give me the grace to help me in whatever way you see fit. Let's today um, seek the Lord like the Magi and pray for the humility to bring him the gift that he really wants, which is the gift of ourselves.
with nothing held back.